Gary, over here. What's the matter? I still haven't come up with the story. I'm empty, blank, drained. Hollow, shallow, brainless. This is serious. I've been thinking all week. Nothing is coming. You're just blocked. Stop trying so hard. Something will inspire you. Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name is Joey. I'm Andrew. Hello, blowholes! <laughs> it's Melissa. So ghoulish. But no, you're, you're well, you're an old lady cat. I did wear a bunch of <laughs> I did wear a bunch of costume items today. So nice. I've got an old lady wig, I've got a weird headband with eyes on it. Yeah. Really and, festive. Yeah, painted yeah. my face like a cat. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween to you. Andrew, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're at the end of Podtober. Yeah. And I think we've saved um, the one we've been most anticipating for last. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, this is episode 132, yeah. and we're talking our own Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. We've yeah. all written our own, and... We'll see how they turn out. So let's just talk about this for a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, we've done... I didn't write him down. We've done Doug. We've done Harold. We've done, yeah. done Rocco. Hey, dude. Um, we did Keenan, Halloween last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we've done Keenan and Kel. Yeah. Salute your shorts. Gosh, that's a lot. Um, yeah. But this has been the one from the start we said we'd want to take time to do. And it proved to be hard yeah the hardest challenge yes definitely the hardest um i spent a month trying to work out ideas and i legit like so a month and i would say (laughs) tuesday this we're recording this on a saturday uh i'd say this tuesday is when i got an idea that i thought maybe could work wow you went with it i I had to (laughs) (laughs) i was running out of time um it was really hard yes Mm mm-hmm um, and I think that's a credit to the Are You Afraid of the Dark writers that they were able to pump these things Definitely. out. Definitely. Um, every time I thought of an idea, it was like, I, I got through like halfway writing it in my head, and then I realized this is so close to another episode that yeah. I just can't yeah. go with it. Yeah. Um, I had the same thing. I was thinking about prompts for, because I think you guys asked me about a month ago to do this. So I was like, oh gosh. All right, so for a month I've been thinking of prompts in my head, and then I would think that, oh, that's a good idea. I was like, oh shoot, it's that movie. I'm thinking of that uh, movie. Uh, like, nothing was original. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to do. Yeah. And on Are You Free of the Dark, because you're dealing with kids, there's only like five setups. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like either like the new kid in town, yes. or like uh, it, they are. It's usually the new kid in town. Um, Funny you should say that. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Like, there's definitely. only, like, or you're not the cool kid in school, yes. or you want to be, like, pretty, or have there's new some, friends. Yeah. yeah. It's um, like you're introduced to the kid that has some, like, issue that they're feeling uncomfortable true. about. Like, your main <laughs> like, themes. Like, wow. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, like, 
as opposed to like a tree fell on my house. Now I have to deal with the yeah. insurance man. Like, <laughs> stuff I can That's my get. kind of yeah. scary story. I don't want to go to work Monday. Um, yeah. My engine light's been on for the last month. And <laughs> yeah. Every time I get in the car, it's terrifying. Yeah, I'm 10,000 miles past my oil change. <laughs> um, but uh, so then you, um, so something DJ McHale has talked a lot about and when we interviewed him is that like, to do this, uh, you have to focus on the kid rather than the scare. Mm. Um, and how did you feel about that? Um, I definitely, I mean, I see what he's saying, like, um, in relation to the Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. Um, and I would agree that that's probably a wise decision. Yeah. I mean, not, not, I guess, like... I guess in mine, I did. I was trying to really hard to figure out what the, what the, scare would, what the catch would be. You yeah. know, like the thing. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's not like really what drives the story ultimately. I think it's yeah. like you do kind of get it. You want to be able to like empathize with the kid, especially as a kid. Yeah. Did you go through like all the options? Like, do I use a vink? Do I use Sardo? Oh, Do yeah. I uh, recall Zebo or something? You know what I mean? Something yeah. like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Um, I definitely considered Sardo because of the objects. Okay. Like, I figured this would be an easy-ish yeah. choice, but I ultimately just couldn't come mm-hmm. up with something that I felt good enough about. Okay. How about you? It sounds like you guys really fleshed out your ideas uh, a little more than I did. I think there was more work into like figuring it out than. I doing think mine will take about ten minutes to tell you, and I wrote it pretty quickly. But uh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's word for word dead man's float. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I when I f- thought of this concept, I couldn't believe that it wasn't already an episode. And I went through not only Are You Afraid of the Dark, but, like, all the anthology shows I could think of to see, wow. like, did, you think was yours, this used? You think yours is that good? I don't know that it's that good. <laughs> it's just, like, I came across this, like, simple idea, and I was so shocked, like, this had to have been done before. Oh, but I'm yeah. excited. Okay. It better be real good. <laughs> I'm not talking it up. <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, a couple people sent us their premises as well. So if you stick around after, we'll read a couple oh, yeah. of people's as well. Ooh, good. Uh, but, um, I'm excited for that. Do you want to kick us off, Andrew? Sure. I'm yeah, you really uh, yeah. gave us a big lead. So when Tucker arrives at the campfire, Gary and Kiki are already there playing chess. I don't believe it, Tucker says. You guys are total nerds. <laughs> hey, you could learn a lot from that game, Betty Ann tells him. Yeah, right, Tucker says. What could a game possibly teach me? Kiki glares at him and says, Some games are dangerous. Sure, they might seem like stupid fun when there's nothing on the line, but for some people, a game can mean life or death. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Submitted for your approval. (laughs) The tale of Pinball Wizard 2. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Submitted for the approval of the BOC. I call this story The Tale of the Chess Master. Ooh, all right. <laughs> Zach's family had just moved to Willow Creek. Yes. <laughs> I think we're going to go three for three. Yeah. <laughs> he was having trouble making friends. <laughs> oh, 
it's a good start. I mean, you know, it's easy to start from this point. Yeah, yeah. we only need a few more. Like um, his parents are angry or something. I don't know. It was still summer break, which meant he didn't have to start at a new school in the middle of the year, but it also severely limited his contact with other kids. However, it wasn't all bad. He finally had an excuse to pull out the chess set he got six months earlier for his birthday. At first, he searched the internet for basic openings to help him learn, but it wasn't long before he was making up his own games and getting pretty good. With enough practice, he thought he might even be able to be great. Still, he wished he had someone else to play with. Then one morning, as Zack is working over a famously tricky strategy at his porch table, a shadow blocks out his sunlight. Looking up, he sees an old man standing over the game board and says, Move it or lose it, Pops. <laughs> is that how you speak to someone who knows how to counter a Banco Gambit? The old man sits down across from Zack and moves one of the pieces. Zack is so taken aback by the man's gall, he's stunned for a moment and then counters. Over the next couple of hours, they get into a heated match in which Zack holds his own. But in the end, the old man proves too much for him. Great game, young man, the guy says, but Zack is too busy trying to figure out what he did wrong to notice. Ha ha, well my name is Magnus Spassky, but you can call me Rook. If you ever need a challenger, stop over any time, I'm just across the street. The next day, Zack takes Magnus up on the invite, and the boy is shown into a small den crammed full of books and chess pieces. Where, so wait, where is yeah. this setting again, um, where they're playing? Uh, this is at the old man's house. Oh, okay, now. okay, okay. On a table in the center of the room sits a worn plastic chess set. Magnus motions for Zack to sit on the white side of the table, and without speaking, the boy starts to contemplate his strategy. Sitting back with a smile on his face, the old man waits for Zack to make his first move, and the game begins. By the time Magnus declares checkmate, the sun has started to go down, so Zack heads home. They play every day for the next few weeks, and Zack learns more about the game than he knew was possible, until the first day of school finally arrives. Hmm. Things get off to a rough start. Zack is late and asks a group of kids to point him to his class, only to discover that they sent him to the wrong room on purpose. (laughs) Despite this setback, he makes it through his next few classes until it's time for lunch. But when he steps out of the line with his food, he notices that the only open table is with the bullies that sent him to the wrong classroom. So he sneaks out of the lunchroom and looks for someplace else to eat, and he walks past a quiet room full of kids playing games. Zack sits in the corner to eat and read his strategy book when a kid with glasses and greasy hair approaches him. I'm Teddy, the kid says. You play chess? he asks, pointing to Zack's book. Oh yeah, Zack tells him. I mean, I'm okay. Teddy pulls up a chair and sets the game board up on the table, and before the period is over, Zack actually comes out victorious. Teddy is so impressed that he invites Zack to join the chess club and asks where he learned how to play. Zack tells Teddy about his summer and learning from Magnus, and invites his new friend to come to the old man's house after school. After chess club, when the boys knock on Magnus' door, he seems a little annoyed that Zack is late and has brought a friend. Nevertheless, he invites the boys inside, but insists on playing Teddy since he's already tested Zack's skills. Magnus switches out the plastic game board for a fine wood one that looks ancient, with grotesque deformed humans as pieces. The game goes later than Zack thought it would, and he has to leave for dinner in the middle of the tense match. The next day, Teddy isn't at school, and when Zack gets to chess club that afternoon, one of the other kids, Curtis, tells him that Teddy is missing, and his parents are freaking out. Zack tells Curtis about Magnus' house and Teddy, and he races to the house to find out what's going on. 
but when he confronts Magnus, the old man assures him that Teddy left the house the night before, not long after Zack, and that he has already spoken to the police about it. Hmm. Somewhat relieved to know that the old man isn't involved, Zack joins the search for Teddy, but there's no trace. Zack holds out hope he might walk into school and see Teddy in class the next day, but his friend is absent again. That afternoon, when Zack gets to chess club, his stomach drops. Teddy still isn't there, and neither is Curtis. Zack frantically asks the other kids if they've seen Curtis until one of them says he went to some old chess master's house to try to learn some new strategies. These idiots. Of Of course, Zack knows exactly where Curtis went, so he races to Magnus' house. He walks through the door just as Magnus declares, checkmate. At that moment, Curtis's body turns translucent, swirls like smoke through the air, and is sucked into one of the black pawns on Magnus' side of the game board. Uh, oh, um, wait a second. But Zach has played with Magnus, right? Yeah. yeah. Just no effect. Well, if you... Okay. You might have missed it. It's a small detail, but he switches out the game board. He was playing on a different game I board. See. With... I see. Okay. Yeah, that's so, okay. Right. Um, I'm going to the police, Zach shouts. You weren't supposed to find out this way, Magnus says. You're not like the rest of them. I was going to give you the secret to being the greatest chess player in the world. Excluding myself, of course. Zack moves toward the door, but before he can leave, Magnus says, Go ahead, they'll never believe you. There's only one way you can save your friends. Magnus motions to the chair across from him, and Zack reluctantly sits. Hell yes. (laughs) Take him, Zack. (laughs) Seeing the pieces more closely, Zack notices two pawns that look like agonized versions of his friends amid a collection of pained, contorted figures. Glancing around the room, he realizes that all of the pieces littering the shelves and desk have similarly gruesome appearances, but the pieces arranged in front of him are all blank. Zack makes his first move, and Magnus barely hesitates to counter. The game gets underway quick, with Magnus blocking every one of Zack's attempts at a cohesive strategy. Rattled, Zack carelessly loses a pawn, and Magnus, is, Magnus gains the advantage. But Zack surprises the old man and, him, and himself when he captures a strategic knight. The tide of the game begins to turn, and Zack corners Magnus's king, finally. With a pained expression, the old man says, There's still so much more I can teach you. This is your chance to be great. I only have one word for you, Zach says. Yes. Ooh, Checkmate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can just hear the music cue. <laughs> Magnus wails, and the room begins to shake as he turns to smoke and is sucked into Zach's king. Books and chess pieces start falling off the shelves, and Zach ducks into the corner of the room. He looks on as the room begins to fill with chess players, representing hundreds of years of fashion evolution, including his new friends. Um, just to, I, I couldn't think of a way to explain this, but my in my head it was like uh, people from like all different time yes. periods yeah. showing up in the room. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh, Zach runs toward the te- toward Teddy and Curtis and hugs them as the others struggle to make sense of their surroundings. Picking up the king from his side of the game board, now twisted with the angry scowl of a lonely old man, he asks, who's up for a game? Ooh. Zach went on to a career as a great chess player, Kiki says. He became well known for his strange habit of carrying around a deformed chess piece, which he used to psych out his opponents. A few of them even claimed to hear it whispering in his ear. It's Magnus? You don't Possibly. So next time someone asks you for a game, make sure you know what you're getting into. How about it, Kiki says, handing Tucker a chess piece. 
no way, he says, bobbling it and setting it down on his, lo- on his log. As the members of the Midnight Society walk off laughing, the camera closes in on the chess piece, and it looks just like Tucker. Ooh. That's good. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Wow. That was really good. Yeah. Thank you. That hit just the right tone. <laughs> it did. Like, that's an Are You Afraid of the Dark. I feel like I need to rewrite mine. Uh, um... Yeah, that was, uh, well, first, my favorite would be, like, in the show, the actual imagery of, like, the frozen in the pieces mm-hmm. people, like, with the more, I'm guessing, mortified, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody That's can see what visual. I just did, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that was really good, uh, had all, like, the pacing felt right, right. on, and then a great ending, because it's not a happy one, necessarily, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he frees the people, but he's still kind of using evil yeah. to achieve what he wants. That's my favorite kind of ending. <laughs> yeah? You like yeah. a darker ending. Yeah. yeah. I don't like when it's, yeah, everything's perfect again. Yeah. Um, th- that's called the tale of the chess master? Yep. Um, you, you, when I was talking to you originally a couple weeks ago, you said that you felt like your story was maybe too goofy. Is this the same one or a different one? Uh, this is the one that I thought was going to be goofy as I started it. Mm-hmm. And I was like leaning toward another story, really. Okay. But somehow over those like few days, it just started clicking with yeah. this one. Yeah. I was like, I'll go with this. I loved Very it. Good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It I, sounded just like an like I don't think mine sounds like an episode. It's just like, I don't know, like a scary story, sort of. But yours sounds, I don't know, the way you read it and the way you write it. It's very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm yes. impressed. Thanks. If they ever start a new Are You Afraid of the Dark book series. <laughs> I know. I think they'll be calling. <laughs> Better than John Peel, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great job. Mm-hmm. Great job. Thanks. Um, Thanks. And the whole thing is like, I think I'd, we'd, we have a bunch of writing episodes still to do, but this would be a fun one to like do a part two. Yeah, of. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa just shrugged like. No, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know what else would be fun? To reenact these and like film them. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Really bad B movies. <laughs> Andrews, for your yeah, fans. An- Andrews is not impossible to do. No. Just need to find an old man. Yeah, and a good wood carver. Yeah. 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 For those little pieces. Uh, but it would be cool to like try to do like your own yeah. episode. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of in the same vein. Like a lo fi. Yeah. 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 And I know someone who's good at wood carving. Do you? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Sorry. well, Melissa, that's a tough act to follow. I know. I was thinking that the whole time. Uh, I thought, do I have to go next? I... But then do I... Then I'd ha- if I didn't go next, I'd have to bookend it, which is also <laughs> something that I don't want to do. Um, well, then, like, as you read, just, like, add, like, just details you didn't write yeah, down. Yeah, maybe I'll just make a bunch of stuff up. <laughs> Embellish it a little. Yeah. Okay, so it's my oh, turn. I believe in you. All right. So mine's a little... <laughs> Mine's a little unique, where I don't have a Midnight Society segment. Um, instead, I created a script for the three of us, because we're the Midnight oh, Society. Wow. It's just one page. It's very yeah. short. Wow. So I have a page for each of you, and you have to read them, and I didn't want you to see it until right when we're about to read them. Okay? So, are you guys ready to go? I'm going to read it until Okay, yeah, don't read ahead. Hold on, let me count my lines. You don't have a lot. Nobody has a lot. Okay, are you ready, guys? Yeah, I'm ready. Hey, guys. Oh, yeah, by the way. We are the Midnight Society? Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't have a segment for it, but... Feel free to, like, you know, take your, you know, become your own character. Cheesy oh, okay. 90s. So it don't actually have to be me. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be you, but 
Oh. Well, so you know. don't do like an exaggerate, like oh, you a can do curved a voice. version of yourself. Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, happy Halloween. What is this costume you two are wearing? Can't you tell? I'm a cat. And Andrew is a dog. Our butts are attached. <laughs> we are cat dog, butt munch. <laughs> Gosh, Melissa, you are my favorite cousin of all my cousins, but I thought you were smarter than that. Ah, uh, yes. Now I see it. What took you two so long to get here? Joey insisted we go trick-or-treating on a few extra streets. <sighs> trick-or-treating? Aren't you a little old? We aren't taking the treats. We're giving them. Check these out. Are those? Yes, they are, Melissa. Limited edition BOC Andrew and Joey Pogs. Our version of business cards. I thought you guys were opposed to letting people see what you look like. It's It's time. time. (laughs) Andrew, hold on, let's nail it. It's time. Well, I'm happy for you guys. I want people to know me better, to see the real me. I want to really connect with the couch potatoes. Couch potatoes? (laughs) That's what we call our listeners. Genius, isn't it? Oh, you two dorks. Funny you two mentioned coming out from behind the microphone. But what if there was more than just a microphone? What if you were hiding behind something more sinister? Submitted for the approval... Of the BOC podcast. Is that what we say? The BOC sure. podcast? I call this story The Tale of the Monster Bash. Oh. <clears throat> Emma is new in town. <laughs> <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> Why wouldn't she be? <laughs> Every kid <laughs> in town. <laughs> yeah, nobody's lived there for long. <laughs> Emma's new in town. Making friends hasn't always been easy for her. Well, it's not. It's not easy. We're all introverts. She has moved frequently over the last few years with her mother as she follows her boyfriends to new towns. Her mother promises her that this time it's different. Cut to the car. Mom says, he's the one, Emma. I'm telling you, I can feel it. This one is different. Sure, Mom. I'm happy for you, says Emma. Mom says, have a great day at school. Carl says, this is the best school in the county. You'll make a lot of friends here. I can feel it. Sure, Mom. They exchange I love yous, and Emma walks into her newest high school. Emma walks into the principal's office and introduces herself to the secretary. She greets her and walks her to homeroom. Emma glances at the other students. They're talking and passing notes and goofing around as they get settled. Emma sits in one of the open desks. A handsome boy immediately turns to her. You're new, huh? Yup, says Emma. He introduces himself. His name is Vic. Vic invites her to his annual Halloween party that weekend. He tells her that people tend to dress on the spookier side at this party, but with a silly twist, he says. Emma is excited at the thought of a party and making new friends. Emma goes to the Halloween party dressed as a zombie. She is amazed at the thoughtfulness and skill all the other kids had with their costumes. She spots a vampire farmer, a ghostly ballerina, a goblin astronaut, a pirate mummy, a swamp creature princess, and a clown witch. Vic is dressed as a werewolf policeman and greets her as she makes her way in. Love the costume. You fit right in, he says. By Vic's side is his wiener dog dressed as a hot dog. That's hysterical, says Emma. (laughs) Emma walks through the house and into the kitchen. 
The pirate mummy looks her up and down inquisitively and lowers his eyebrows as if to ask about her outfit. I'm a zombie, she stated. Real original, he replied. Emma shrugs off the comment and walks into the living room where partygoers are dancing to the Monster Mash and other smash hits. Yeah. <laughs> but mainly the monster. Yeah, it's just that. <laughs> she overhears the vampire farmer talking. He was difficult to wrangle, but once I finally bit him, he passed out. That's the trick to staying anonymous. You've got to attack him from behind. Emma laughs out loud at the comment, and he looks at her confusedly and lazily chuckles back to appease her. She spots another zombie at the party, but this one is dressed as a chef. He introduces himself. Hey, I'm Ted. Are you new in town? He asks. I'm so glad I'm not the only zombie here anymore. People are so quick to judge us, don't you think? <laughs> Emma plays along. Heck yeah, they are. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> exactly, Ted replies. And that hot dog is looking too delectable tonight. Emma laughs at Ted's joke and keeps making her way through the party. I think we all know where this is going. <laughs> it's always great to throw that in the middle. Is that what, was that you as the narrator, like, voicing over? No, but, I mean, as I read it, I realize I'm really not a good storyteller. This is good so far. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying it. Well, Emma's feeling good, you guys. She's very happy with the way the party's going. The kids are friendly and welcoming. She smiles to herself. She smiles and waves at the ghostly ballerina. Emma compliments her. You look beautiful. The ballerina says thanks. She twirls for Emma and a jokester of a partygoer runs by and grabs the ballerina's drink from her hand and quickly darts around the corner. The ballerina yells, hey, and quickly extends her arm through the wall and grabs the drink out from his hand. Nice try, she yells and laughs. Emma screamed, your arm, it went through the wall. Where's the hole? <laughs> the ballerina laughed at Emma. You are too funny. Emma ran to a corner in the living room and ducked behind a chair. Vic notices her distress and runs over. Is everything okay, Emma? She screams and asks what the heck is going on. Vic tries to calm her down and explain the situation. Well, we're a bit different. I just saw that witch levitate your couch. Excuse me, said the witch. I'm a sorceress. Witches are so one note. I can't believe you would call me that. Emma is growing more and more confused and scared. Emma, Vic says, we are kids dressed as ballerinas and farmers and clowns. Do you get it? She's starting to realize what's going on. You don't have to be scared of us, says Vic. We don't harm people and we won't harm you. Emma screams and points to the kitchen. The zombie chef is holding the wiener dog up as if he's about to eat it. Ben, not cool. That's my dog, yells Vic. Sorry, man, says Ben. He sets the dog down and smiles sheepishly. So let me get this straight, says Emma. You're a werewolf. Yes. You are dressed for Halloween as a farmer? Yes. And you guys won't hurt me. No, we all love you. We think you're great. We would never hurt you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Emma looks around and everyone at the party is smiling and nodding in agreement. Vic puts his arm around her and says, you're one of us, now let's party. Emma dances the night away with her new friends. She gets home and is greeted by her mom and Carl. Mom, Carl, you won't believe what I witnessed tonight. She tells them the whole story. They both laugh. Her mother compliments her vivid imagination. I think it's time for bed, her mother says. As Emma makes her way upstairs, she calls down to her mother. Fine, don't believe me, Mom. 
You will believe me sooner or later. Cut to Carl, who's in the kitchen washing dishes. Under his breath, he says, That's right. You will believe her. <laughs> his eyes glow red, and two horns slowly begin to protrude from his hairline. This is his da- her dad? The boyfriend. The mom's boyfriend. Oh, okay. So... His eyes glow red, and the two horns slowly begin to protrude from his hairline. I didn't see those Sooner or later. The end! <laughs> Carl's a demon, and he's going to kill them at some point, maybe. Wait, so... Uh, I have, Okay, go ahead. Give away. I was just going to say... No, no, I guess I just imagined him as being, like, nice, kind of like the other ones. I thought about it, but I needed... I don't like oh, happy endings. Oh, you wanted to be like a... Yeah, 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 yeah. I want Carl to be the bad okay. one. Yeah. Is he so? Has he purposely lured the, uh, lured them to this oh. town? Yes. Okay. Uh. I thought about this because I was going over this whole story with Max, of course, and I said I feel like I could really flesh it out and get into a whole thing where we get into a big battle with Carl, and but I just thought that was too much. Then I'm really going on about yeah. now we're fighting Carl. <laughs> yeah. And I left her friend like the whole friend story was like. Too much. Now we're fighting Carl. <laughs> um, so it's a monster town. It is. Uh, but the t- the mom and daughter are unassuming. Unassuming. Okay. Yeah. The See, mom's just following these new guys around. I do think that was a good twist ending because where I thought it was going was she was going to be dead. Uh, oh, really? Huh. Yeah. I thought she like unknowingly, like I thought what they were saying to her as a party is you are one of us without mm-hmm. her knowing. Like, yeah. Huh. I thought, that's where I thought. Huh. So you tricked me. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I, I, I had forgotten about Carl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. That's exactly what um. I wanted. <laughs> I want Carl to sneak up on you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really liked a lot about it. I mean, I liked, uh, I think, the like the beginning, the setup of them getting there with her mom dating this guy mm-hmm. like was a perfect setup. Uh, just like a really, I like having Carl there as almost like you're immediately like well i you know is this guy okay or mm-hmm. is he a problem yeah um for sure so that's nice um and i like i like just like the single parent uh, dynamic in are you afraid of the darks especially like that's a kind of common thing but yeah. like i really like how that plays out um and i think stuff like um the costume party like and the theme of the costume party is really good. Like, that's, like, the type of detail that I think, like, really makes it interesting. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thank you. You know, I thought you could have done to, like, deepen yes. the, the myth. Give it is, to me. Is have... Well, no, this is hokey. Never mind. No, what is it? <laughs> well, like, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, what if the werewolf at the party was, like, the werewolf from um, Full Moon? Mm. And what if uh, uh, it could be. the zombie yeah. Didn't like... even enter my brain <laughs> to bring in other episodes. This was hard enough. And then to bring in other characters. But that is a good idea. Like, yeah. a, almost like an Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, yeah. Bash. Like yeah. a big reunion episode. Yeah, you got, like, the cursed guardian mummy. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Very smart. Wow, that might be the first time we've brought up that episode. Oh. I mean, yeah. But uh, I really liked the setting, too, of, like, this party. Uh, I feel like that, it, like, it seems like it fits really well, but somehow it hasn't appeared in any other episodes, I don't think. Definitely, like a, no. Kids like party. Like a full-on Halloween party. Yeah. Like, I love that. And there's not a, uh, besides, um, what's it called, Twisted Claw? Yeah. There's not a Halloween episode yeah, of Are You Afraid yeah. Dark, so mm-hmm. it fills that void. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I had messed around with that. I'm like, should I do a, ho- a proper Halloween one? But uh, it was too intimidating. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, um, you nailed it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I also really just like the like the constant back and forth between it being scary and it being yeah. like cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. A good balance of that. I wanted to have a thing where she thought they ate the dog, and then she thought uh, that something else awful yeah, yeah. happened. But then in the end, it was she. It was all a big mis- misunderstanding. Uh, but yeah. that was just way too much thought. I could. Yeah, I'm not yeah. that good a writer. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, yeah, Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Then. Thank you're you very much. you're about to really witness what overthinking is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody has forty minutes. <laughs> Well, I don't have um, I don't have a fun uh, intro like you did, which I love that. That was fun. Yeah, I, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. That's Thanks. like a whole new element. We should yes. do writing episodes where we actually have to like read the lines. That, that was, was very fun. good. Yeah. I enjoyed writing it. Yeah, yeah. Forcing us to dress up yeah, as cat that was dogs. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good idea. I know. I, I thought of everything. It had to be cat dog. All right. Well, my episode, like I said, I've. When I write, I and I've done this in the past. I have a tendency of writing like the actual actions and how things look. So it's like yeah. it might seem a little longer than it is, but it's like also like what I what I vision. Sure. Um, You're a director. Sorry. You're a screenwriter. <laughs> I don't think I'm either. I wouldn't be good at either of those things. But um, there are some nuggets in here for some of our most loyal listeners. Mm. Uh, you know, just l- listen for names here. <laughs> listen for names. Um, should we get started? Oh yeah. Heck yeah. All right. We see the campfire and hear the voice of the Midnight Society approaching from the woods. But there is an adult man with a long spray rod, blue jumpsuit, and big beard sitting in the big storyteller chair. As a few of the members walk up, Gary, Tuck, Tucker, Sam, Stig, this is a fifth season episode. They all, ga- <laughs> they all gasp. Who are you? Tucker yells. Stig says, should we run? Should we attack? Typical. Then we hear... Then we hear Betty Ann and Kiki running up. Betty Ann is yelling, wait, don't do anything. They run up out of breath. The Midnight Society looks confused. What's going on, Gary demands. Out of breath, Betty Ann says, hey, Uncle Vince. Hey, B.A., he says lovingly. (laughs) Uncle, Sam says, you know this guy? Betty Ann laughs. Yeah, sorry, guys, this is my Uncle Vince. He's staying with the family this week while his apartment is being remodeled. My parents had an emergency and said the only way I could come tonight is if Uncle Vince came too. (laughs) The Midnight Society looks dismayed and a little uncomfortable. Gary moves closer to Betty Ann and under his breath says, This is highly unusual. I know, I know, she says, but I promise he won't bother us and my story tonight will be worth it. It better be, mutters Stig. (laughs) Tucker kicks the canister next to Uncle Vince, which is attached to the spray rod he's holding. What's this all about, Uncle Vince? I'm an exterminator. Just came from work. Kiki pipes up. Okay, well, should we get this thing going? Yeah. Uh, the group grabs their seats. Betty Ann takes the main chair, of course. Uh, and Uncle Vince sits next to her. She grabs the bag of sand. Most of us go about our daily lives without having to ever think about who lives next door or who is in the apartment below us. But what if we did have to worry about it? What if we had to think about the person who lived next door below you? Not just that. What if you had to fear them? Submitted for the approval of the BOC... I call this story The Tale of Ghost in the Parlor. Uh, Betty Ann continues her voiceover. We hear whimsical music, of course. Uh, We see a car driving. Justin Wilson and his mom, Marlena, were on their way to a new town. (laughs) (laughs) A new home and a new life. 
Justin's parents had just split up, and big changes seemed to be in store. We see Justin in the back seat with headphones on. We hear faintly uh, some rock music, and he's playing what looks like a Game Boy. His mom yells, Justin, Justin, Justin. She's trying to get his attention. He rips off his headphones. Yeah, Mom? Mom, we're almost there, kiddo. Okay, he says, looking out the window at the town passing by. He rests his head against the glass. This place looks just like our old town. Boring. Why do we even bother moving? Mom, you always say you want some adventure. This might be it. We just needed fresh start. We're doing our best, kiddo. Plus, I think you'll like this new place. It's really different. We see the car slow down and pull into a driveway with gates. Beyond the gates is an old, large funeral home with a sign out front that says, Stover Funeral Home, established 1937. Justin's heart sinks and his face drops. He sees two kids around his age playing near the funeral home who wave to him nicely as they pull in. Mom parks next to a funeral hearse. Justin, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me, Mom. A funeral home? No way. Mom, there are cute little apartments above it. I think you'll love it, kiddo. A real change for us. We see Justin and his mom walk into the funeral home. Betty does a voice. Betty would be voicing over this part. But we see them walk down the main hall. We see them pass by three rooms, one of which has people gathered inside for a funeral, an open casket with an old lady in a white dress. The other rooms are empty. Betty Ann says, Justin just couldn't believe his mom was making him walk in and out of a funeral home every day, surrounded by the recently deceased and mourning families. He liked a little adventure, but this was bizarre. Still, he knew she was trying her best. We see an older woman walk out to greet them. She speaks in an Irish accent. She exclaims, You must be the Wilsons! Oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Tara, the owner of Stover Funeral Home. Have been here for over 30 years. We're so glad to have you. As you can see, it's a busy day, as many are. If you don't mind, I'll take you up to your apartment. I don't like our residents to be visible to our visitors. Mom, we understand. Tara, during business hours, you'll see this, you'll use the side staircase so you can come in and out without going down the main hall. We see that the door is kind of near the front entrance. Tara says, we have three apartments upstairs. There's another family right next door to you, the Kennys. Lovely people. They have a daughter and a son about, around your age. His mom pats Justin on the back encouragingly. As they reach the top of the stairs, they open the door, and there's a very old, creepy man with a huge beard and sunken eyes standing there. The Wilsons are startled. The old man, apologies, miss. Didn't mean to spook ya. <laughs> Tara, ah, yes, this is old Ethan Stinner. He lives in the third apartment. <laughs> mom, nice to meet you, Ethan. Justin says, nice to meet you, Mr. Stinner. My friends call me Bup. You're free to do so. <laughs> Tara. Old Ethan takes care of things around here. I do, says Bup. You'll see me around. Well, it was great to meet you, Mr. Stin... Oh, I mean, Bup. They continue towards the apartment. Tara unlocks the door. As I mentioned, it's preferable if you do not disturb our guests during visiting hours. To help you, each apartment has lights installed. We see a little round light near the front door. It's turned on bright red. If the light is on and red, like it is now, that means there's a service and to please use the front staircase. Uh, and when the light is off, you are free to use either staircase and the main hall. Mom, wow, that's really helpful. Well, I'll let you get settled in. Don't think twice if you need anything. Justin walks into his empty room, sighs, and throws his bag on the bed. His mom appears in the doorway. You okay, kiddo? Yeah, Mom, it's just a little weird. It'll get better. She wraps her arm around him. Why don't you go introduce yourself to the kids next door? I think that was them out front. Justin sighs. That's all right. She urges him to, and he reluctantly agrees. It fades, and we see him walk out the front door, and before he can even say hello, they run up and introduce themselves. The girl takes the lead. 
You the new kid? And before Justin can say anything, she says, I thought so. My name is Maggie Kenny. This is my brother Jacob Kenny. Justin says hi. We see them go sit on a bench in front of the funeral home. Justin asks if it's weird living at the funeral home. And the kids say, you get used to it. Plus, there's a bunch of great fast food around here. Uh, he asks if it ever gets sad. And they said, well, it's sad for the families. But again, you kind of get used to it. Um, they, they ask if he wants to go see the funeral home, walk around it. He says, won't we get in trouble? Nah, Tara doesn't notice. We see about a 30-second montage of the kids walking in the empty funeral parlors, the morgue in the basement, the freezer room, with lighthearted music playing. <laughs> Jacob and Maggie ask if he wants to hang out later, and he says maybe after dinner. It fades to him and his mom eating food. We see the red light go off. Welp, funerals must be over, his mom says. Maybe they're funerals, he sighs dramatically. His mom looks sad that he's unhappy. How about the new kids, Maggie and Jacob? Yeah, they asked if I'd come over. Perfect, Mom says. She gets out of her chair, grabs him by the shoulder, stands him up. Go for it, kiddo. Otherwise, it's me or the old lady downstairs, she says wickedly. He nods approvingly, and she kisses him on the cheek. He walks down the hall and knocks on the door. A woman answers. She smiles. Are you Justin? He nods. Maggie and Jacob told me about you. I'm Cynthia Kinney, their mom. They're in their room. She walks him back, and uh, he walks in. He looks around the room. He makes some small talk. Justin, so what are you guys up to? They look at each other and smile. They explain that they were thinking of playing their favorite game tonight. He, They tell him it would be perfect because it's not so much fun with two people. Justin seems intrigued. How do you play, he asks. Maggie says, it's called Ghost in the Parlor. Justin, Ghost in the Parlor? She nods. Justin, body's, body posture sinks. Oh, he says. Just, uh, Jacob, it's really not so bad once you start. How do you play, he asks. Maggie says, so at night, sometimes we sneak down to one of the funeral parlors where there's a body. She smiles. Justin, this sounds like the worst idea I've ever heard. I guess, but it's really fun, too. We turn off all the lights, close the doors, walk ten steps in any direction with our eyes closed, and ask, where is the ghost in the parlor? Jacob, it can get pretty intense, but the first to chicken out and leave the room loses. Justin smiles and says, yeah, that sounds terrifying, but also kind of fun. There's really nothing to do around here, they say. Trust us. It's fun. Plus, sometimes, Maggie hushes her brother. What? Justin says. Jacob, sometimes we get an answer from the ghost. Cut to the funeral parlor. Maggie closes the door behind him. Trust us. It's fun. Justin stares at the old woman in a pretty white dress in the casket. Won't, he get in tr won't we get in trouble? Nah, just don't be too loud. We don't want to wake up Bup. Jacob laughs. As Justin goes to say he's not sure, Jacob turns off the light. Okay, close your eyes and start walking. Once you've counted to ten, stop. Open them and say, Where is the ghost in the parlor? The kids wander off, and after a few seconds, we hear each kid starting to ask, Where is the ghost in the parlor? No sounds. They ask again, finally creaking. Justin breathes heavily. He stops asking the question. More creaking. Jacob asks if, he, Jacob asks if they hear that noise. Justin looks panicked. Maggie tells him to keep asking the question. Justin, where is the ghost in the parlor? Faintly, we hear a voice very weakly say, I am here. As we see him ask and back up, a very pale old woman in a white dress whose eyes look white stands behind him. She whispers, I'm here. Justin freezes. She reaches out and puts her hand on his shoulder, and she very loudly says, I'm here. Justin turns around and screams as the woman moves closer. Cut to commercial. Oh, <laughs> we come back. Justin is screaming. 
When the door swings open, lights go on, and then the lights go on. When Justin looks back, the corpse is back in the casket. It's Bup, and he is mad at the kids. He tells them to go upstairs immediately. Go now, you rapscallions. The kids run out. Bup stands alone in the room. It cuts back to the casket, and we see the woman's hands start lifting up. Quickly, we cut back to the kids. As they walk up the stairs, Justin says, Did you guys see that, that woman? Jack, Jack, Jacob and Maggie laugh no, in a knowing way. We saw it all right, but that's the whole point of the game, Maggie says. Jacob says, Heck, I'd say you won that round. Justin, still in shock and panicked outside of his apartment. They pat him on the back and say, See you tomorrow. It fades, Justin laying in bed, eyes wide open, talking to himself. It couldn't be. I made it up. It wasn't real. He repeats it to himself over and over. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. His eyelids get heavy. It fades and we see Justin asleep. We can assume some time has passed. Uh, All of a sudden, we see a red light illuminate his face. Justin wakes up. We see a shot of the red light in the apartment. He looks at the clock. It's 2.51 a.m. He sits up a little freaked out. It can't be. It's way too late for a funeral. He gets out of bed. He hears rumbling downstairs, which freezes him. He takes a deep breath and quietly leaves his apartment so his mom doesn't hear. He tiptoes down the stairs. Now he hears grunting. He approaches the parlor and despite the lights being off, sees two figures fighting. He can't make make out the one, but he immediately recognizes the woman in the white dress. She looks over at him and smiles. He immediately runs back upstairs, closes the door. It fades to morning. Justin looks freaked out, tired. He's trying to eat breakfast. Betty Ann voiceover. Justin couldn't believe what he'd just seen. He tried to reject the idea, but he knew deep down what he saw was real. The day felt like a blur, and Justin wasn't sure he ever wanted to leave the apartment again. We see his mom kiss him on the forehead, and she says she'll be back in a little bit. We see Justin sitting like a zombie in his chair watching TV, eating a snack. It's dark out. Then we hear a loud thud on his door. Justin freezes. Another loud thud. He gets up slowly and approaches. Three more thuds. He peeks out the eye hole and sees that it's Bup with Jacob and Maggie. He lets out a deep breath. Bup. Open up. We have business. Reluctantly, Justin opens the door and Bup and Maggie march in. You kids have really done it now. Maggie, done what? You know what? Woken the dead. That nice lady had every right to enjoy her rest. But you woke her. Justin. Was that you downstairs last night? That was me, all right. And that was her. But you woke her, and now you three have to help me find her. The three look at each other terrified. Bup explains that the dead, so soon after death, can be woken. And once woken, they try to stay alive if they can. I've worked for Miss... He says he works for Miss Tara Forrest for over 30 years. I make sure the dead stay dead. But once in a while, this type of thing happens. And now that nice old lady, Miss Nancy, is missing. You woke her. Now you're going to help me put her back. We see them go downstairs. Bup hands them each a flashlight. He hits the switch that turns the red light the red light on and turns off the lights why on earth would you turn off the lights justin says trust me it's easier to find them with the lights off they feel more at ease to come out so the lights stay off okay good luck uh as he as he walks away maggie where are you going we should stay together negative miss maggie too many people will have (laughs) too many people and we'll keep her away split up and find her without a second thought jacob and maggie go looking justin is freaking out We watch now as Justin walks through rooms, halls. Finally, he is confronted with the door that leads to the downstairs. He gulps. He walks down slowly. He hears footsteps downstairs. He whispers, Bup? Jacob? Maggie? No response. 
He freezes when his he freezes when his flashlight sees a body on a metal table covered with a white sheet. He approaches slowly, takes a deep breath, and takes the cover off. Just an old just an old guy. He ex he exhales and covers the man back up. He sees the large freezer door that is cracked open. He stares. Then we hear a whisper behind him. Think she's in there, Maggie says, which scares the daylights out of Justin. Where is the ghost in the parlor? Justin asks. She nods, knowing that this might be the thing that brings Miss Nancy out. She follows his cue. They move closer to the door, asking, Where is the ghost in the parlor? The, the crack door slowly closes, stopping them in their tracks. Someone is in there. You think she's in there, Jacob says behind both of them, scaring them again. Shh, Justin says. You don't want to wake that guy over there. He slowly opens the door. The room is freezing cold. There is a wall of metal drawers for bodies. As they walk in, they shine their lights. They see one drawer pushing itself inward. Where is the ghost in the parlor, they ask, but the woman is not there. They open another drawer. Nothing. Maggie keeps repeating the saying. We see another drawer quickly cr close, but this time something white is hanging out of it. They think they have found her. They go over. Where is the ghost in the parlor, they say. No response. They open the drawer, but it's just a white medical cloth. Where is she? Jacob screams. Here! She yells, standing behind them. They all scream, and we see her laugh and run for the door. But just as she gets to the door, she runs into Bup, stopping her in her tracks. He grabs her and yells, Help me bring her up! The kids run over and each take a limb. She wiggles and tries to fight her way out. They struggle, but they carry her all the way up to the casket. As they get nearer, they notice she calms down. When they lay her in the casket, she peacefully falls asleep as if she had never moved. They stand, all of them, tired and stunned. Bup. I think she'll sleep now if you kids will let her. They all nod in the affirmative. Betty Ann says, And so Justin, Jacob, and Maggie all came to be the best of friends. They didn't play Ghost in the Parlor much anymore, but from time to time, Bup would let them help if one got loose. We see a montage of them wrangling up hiding corp corpses as Betty Ann talks. As they're rounding them up, she says, And even though Justin's new situation was a strange one, and he spent his, time, his nights doing things he never imagined, he finally felt like he was at home. We see his mom close his door, smiling lovingly. As the door closes, we see a red light illuminate his face. He smiles and starts to get out of bed. The end. It cuts back to the Midnight Society. Uncle Vince stands up clapping. Whoa, nice job, B.A. Betty Ann blushes. Sam chimes in. That was great, Betty Ann. Gary throws the sand on the fire and declares this meeting of the Midnight Society over. Uncle Vince asks if the kids want to go get milkshakes, and they all cheer happily. As they walk off, we can hear Stig saying, I love this guy. Can he join the society? Yeah. That was so good. I was really on the edge of my seat. I was a little nervous. Yeah, that was a really good ghost story. One. Uh -huh. I feel like almost like it was a companion piece to uh, Old Man Corcoran. Yeah. Like, not the same, but like in the same vein, I guess. Yes. Um, I really liked the uh, Midnight Society very well uh, characterized. Yeah. I mean, very. Yes. you really kept in who they are, yeah. who the characters are. Um, also, I really like the feel of that. Like, it felt like totally like a ghost Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. The setting was great. I could picture um, all of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I got the idea because our friend Brett 
actually so yeah, for those yeah. people who think this is impossible <laughs> our friend brett who's on the podcast lived above a funeral home he in did? an apartment yeah and even weirder is right um part of living there is he had to take calls yeah, at night yeah. for like when people passed away and then brett would have to call the owner for them to go like pick the person up oh my gosh yeah <laughs> i was thinking of that place as you were talking about this i was like this is this you know it was a perfect uh, visual did yeah. he have to enter and through the main parlor i think he could i think he could walk down the hall but i don't think he had to walk through any parlors yeah. no um but yeah once i figured that setting out i thought it could be fun yeah mm-hmm. that's a great setting is that a real game ghost in the parlor mm, i don't think so even that sounds like yeah it was I, it sounded like a legit i, thing, I thought is this know? a game that i never played as a kid <laughs> Um, I also really liked the, um, the kids, like, becoming friends in the end. Yeah. Felt like that mm-hmm. was, that felt like a real, are you afraid of the dark, uh, yeah. end of a story. Like, yeah. It felt like a perfect And he keeps on living that way. Like, yeah. that just becomes their yeah, life. Yeah, that's great yeah. to think the about The acceptance that, like, of it, yeah. Uh-huh. I wondered, I worried that that was too wacky of, like, them rounding up corpses, but mm-hmm. I thought maybe better... I feel like it was a, per, a really good combination of, like, this is grotesque, like, if this was real life, yeah. but at the same time, it becomes, like, a uh, wackier thing. So I think I think those two elements together, like, really combined well. Cool. I, I played... The episode was just so long, yeah. I'm sorry to make you sit through, but, uh, like, um, no, that's great. I played a little bit with the idea of Bup perhaps being dead... Um, and mm. being being Tara's old husband, but she keeps uh, him there because he can live there. Yeah, oh, that'd um, be good. That's interesting. So if if I had like ways to maneuver this to be bigger, yeah. like I think that'd be part of it. But mm-hmm. um, and great uh, character names, really. <laughs> yes. Nailed yeah. Them. So um, what did we have? We had Justin. Uh, all, Justin, all, all, all of our um, favorite listeners: yeah. Ethan, Jacob, Maggie, yeah. Tara, <laughs> Vince, Ethan, uh, Ethan, um, uh-huh. Nancy. Uh, Forrest is after Jen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was really good. That was, that was fun. Just, it was great feel. Had a very Are You Afraid of the Dark it feel did. to it. Like him being all disgruntled and kind yeah. of mouthy and the rock music. And you mentioned after her story, like loving the single parent thing. Yeah, I do too a lot. It and is I, nice, especially yeah. the parent who's like just you know trying to get them out of their comfort yeah. zone. And it gives that. you like a the ability to like take the kid outside of the parental yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So well, those were a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, um, they were yeah. three great stories. We had um, the tale of the chess master and the tale of the monster bash. 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 Okay, okay. Make sure Did I, I say right. mash? It's bash. Maybe not, but I maybe For copyright. <laughs> in my head. Copyright reasons. I was thinking that. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, t- the tale of Ghost in the Parlor. Um, we did get a... F- we got two people who um, sent us like short synopsises. Oh, you guys nice. want to hear them? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, this first one is from Nev, who I don't think has ever written in, but he did want to share his idea. I'm not sure he has it. He just wrote the tale of, so I'm not sure what the full title of it is. But the synopsis is this. Kane and his mother have just moved to a new house across town. <laughs> While helping her unpack, Kane discovers his mother has a book that is secured with a lock. One day after school, he goes into her room and asks what's for dinner, but she sees a key and, and sees a key on her nightstand. 
He uses the key to unlock the book and discovers its pages have names written in dark red ink. Kane recognizes some of the names as people who have recently died in horrific accidents, and most mm. obvious, the most obvious being his uncle, whom his mother often bickered with. Kane takes the book with him and reads more of it, learning that it was created by a witch and has been cursed to cause the death of anyone who has had their name written on the pages. Angry at his math teacher for giving him a failing mark on his last exam, he puts the book to the test and writes his name. He goes to bed and has a horrible nightmare about a girl being chased into an open grave by boys wearing goblin masks. The next day at school, it's announced that the math teacher drowned in a surfing accident. Spooked, Kane rushes home to relock the book and put it back in his mother's possessions, but he finds she is sitting in his room, holding it and looking sternly at him. He tries to explain, but she cuts him off and tearfully lets him know the book is actually a family relic and that the witch was his great-grandmother, who was tormented by a group of boys in her younger days. She then says, any time the book is used by a male, their life is sacrificed to sustain its power. A hexagon with a crooked crucifix in its center appears on the floor, and the spirit of his great-grandmother pulls him through it. (laughs) Wow. The end. Intense. Very dark. Yeah. yeah. And the parent is also bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like she killed the uncle. <laughs> That's rare when the parent is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but That's um, a good one, though. Yeah. That's a setup. Great yeah. setup. That's almost more of like an adult yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. horror movie. That's a good, like, that's a good story. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from our friend Brett Wilson. You may know him from his amazing. Uh, pictures for our episodes yeah he's a great artist um this one's called the tale of the mechanical maniacs it's told by sandy who is the daughter of gary and sam and new leader of the 2020 midnight society hey gary and sam got (laughs) together yeah (laughs) (laughs) to break the ice with her new members she opens with a cautionary tale that warns others of the dangers of when we become too dependent on our gadgets and devices they become dependent on us in order to come alive. Todd Briggs is your average middle school geek obsessed with the latest gadget to improve everyday living for his fellow students, but when he becomes the laughing stock of the school after his school science fair project fails, he seeks out dark sources to revitalize his robot- robotic machine, even at the cost of his own life, and it's up to his friends Jason and Ruby to save him before he becomes digitized inside his own creation forever. Yeah. Um, he uh, notes that this takes inspiration from the tale of the renegade virus and the tale of the virtual pets. Uh, mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, he sent us um, the full script, uh, and there is um, a creepy shopkeeper who's kind of manipulating this, yeah. and uh, it's a good tale, uh, like a modern telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Sounds it. really cool. Yeah. Uh, I think he, he was talking about, you know, he's he has a uh, book. He worked with DJ McHale on, like, a graphic book that he's trying to get published. So wow, we're, we're hoping cool. that comes to light. And um, uh, maybe he'll do more with yeah. uh, all this stuff. Yeah. I hope mm-hmm. so. Yeah. That'd be neat. Well, Melissa, um, thank you for, like, that That yeah. was that was not a small ask. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was hard to do. Yeah. But you guys were great. Oh. Very well, thank good. you. Loved your story. But you pulled it off. You did it. Did uh, I? Yeah, yeah okay. I thought it was really good. Next right. time our yeah. movie. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. no. laughs> Maybe we could co-write. 
Ah, yeah, okay. that's not a bad idea. That could be fun. Yeah. yeah. Make our just one big movie and then like have people come in and read. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. I mean, maybe in like three years, like we'll write it. <laughs> yeah, it'll take a while, yeah. but we'll do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, well that wraps up our Are You Afraid of the Dark writing episode. What are we doing uh, now that Podtober is over? Yeah, that's it for this holiday, for the Halloween season. Yeah. Um, next week we're going to be talking about uh, Year in Review 1996. Yeah. Finally going to get to 96. Ooh, yeah. Good year. Yeah. 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 I don't know. My sister about was born. Oh, cool. Nice. Great year. <laughs> Love you, Megan. <laughs> um, it's a mystery to me. I'm not sure I know much about 96. Oh, so I'll have I'm to sure it'll all come back. Yeah, rediscover. Yeah. Is that song in it? It's all coming back to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That'd be good. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> if that was a 1996 song, you should play that right now. But if not, don't play it. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Uh, well, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, find us on Twitter at BOC Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com, as Brett and Nev did. Uh, you can also find us on Podbean and iTunes. Leave us a review. That's really helpful. Uh, we hope you all have jo- enjoyed uh, Podtober. We, I know we love doing it. Yeah, it really is great. Yeah. I, mean, I love the, in spite of my somewhat dislike of fall i like uh, the halloween season a lot. oh yeah before before you go melissa um shorts or pants for fall uh no period shorts or pants i'm wearing shorts now because it's hot in the studio sure yeah but jeans all the way all the time pants oh okay okay yeah cool that seems to be the prevailing uh sentiments so yeah, far i think I barrettes know. are only shorts yeah. person <laughs> yeah not a fan of shorts okay nice well thank you for answering yeah, yeah. seriously and thanks oh. for coming god that was very good thank you i didn't ask i know i asked joey when he was being traveling but andrew what are you do you are you being anything this Probably. year yes um today boy yeah today i <laughs> i'm just not sure uh um, okay. You know, I'm a, a procrastinator when it comes to the costumes. <laughs> I, I believe it. Yeah. No offense, but no, that, those no, are the best I, costumes. I am, so those are the best costumes when you can. Sometimes, sometimes they turn out good. good. Um, well, uh, great month. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time for 96. Don't be afraid. You're already.
Howl of something. Yeah. yeah, I need a sound effect. You'll throw it in. Hey, uh, I'm excited. What do you call it in the middle? Uh, intermission? Yeah. Intermission. <laughs> well, you know I'm cutting the commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>